0: Let's pray and we're going to open the Bible. We're in a series uh, called Unmistakable. We're walking through 1 Peter line by line and word by word. And we're going to continue in chapter 2. But let's go to God. God, we just thank you for another day. We thank you for this morning. We do thank you for the rain, which just beautifies all things. God, we thank you for this space, for the Venetian. We thank you for the leaders here who have welcomed us and invited us to be. Thank you, Lord, for the space that you've given us for the long haul and the changes being made there for the good of people who come in to love people well and welcome people, uh, God, we're so grateful for even the movement. How you've moved us through a global pandemic, God, you've sustained us. We're here, God. You've you've brought us through years of of uncertainty, and we we do see light, God, and we're grateful for that Lord we thank you for the gift of the people to our left and right in front of us behind us thank you that you're building us as living stones into a spiritual house that your presence dwells in thank you God that you're not there you're here you're here in us in this space and even through technology you're there with our brothers and sisters who are with us in real time this is is mind blowing God But you created the universe, so you do great things. We love you. Open our eyes to see who you are and to follow you more closely. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I literally almost prayed for 30 minutes. Sometimes you just love God. You just want to talk to him and hang out with him. And so thanks for joining in that. Hey, I've got some uh, great news uh, to announce. Some of you may not know this, but Anya and Vadim, who we love so much, uh, they are the two newest U.S. Citizens, just, which is great. <laughs> Hello, Vadim, <laughs> and uh, they just had their interviews and passed their tests, and we're just so delighted. America is now a better place because Anya and Vadim are officially in, and with that, they've got they've got access to a new passport. Uh, they have new rights and privileges. They have they have greater responsibility and taxes. They have everything. They have all that comes with. With, with being a part of this country and, you know, being a part of a country, wherever you're from, whatever passport you hold, uh, is a privilege and it comes with all sorts of things and we need to think about that, especially in light of what's happening in the world right now. Um, we, we had planned this series well in advance, I had no idea we'd be talking about things like we're going to talk about today uh, in the middle of a war. And, you know, beyond all, like, the politics and the rhetoric and all of that stuff, which has its place, uh, we need to remember that with the war in in Ukraine, this is the interesting thing for us, Jesus people, there are brothers and sisters who are in Russia and in the military right now. And there are brothers and sisters who belong to us in Ukraine, who are in the country and in the military, and so we see the world through a different lens because, yes, we do have our passport. We do have our citizenship. We do ha- have our heritage. We have our culture. Those are all well and good. But yet we, the people of God, remember that we belong to Jesus. And so wherever you stand on what's going on and however your heart is breaking, we need to remember that we are part of the global Jesus family. And, and with that, our heart breaks for everyone. Everyone, especially the innocent, who belong to Jesus and don't belong to Jesus, who are suffering right now. So, what we want to do is we want to pray for peace to reign. Right? We want peace to reign. We want war to end. And we want to pray with activity. We happen to have relationships around the globe. Uh, Daniel Roos, my Romanian friend, who was here two weeks ago, he lives in the north of Romania, right on almost on the border of of the Ukraine. And so, we've already connected this week. We're sending. Uh, $3,000 from your giving right now uh, to buy mattresses and water and basic supplies and blankets because the number of refugees coming down towards the Romanian border is huge. We can't do everything. We are doing something because of, of your generosity. So we, we pray and we act, right? We don't just pray. We pray with a view to say, God, here am I, send me. What are we to do? And, and as you continue to give, we will continue to do more, but we, we feel like we need to do something now for people who are literally sleeping in churches because they've run from their, their homes. And, and the pastor's just saying, we just need mattresses and blankets and some water and basic supplies so that we can love them in Jesus' name. Um, and you thought you had a rough week. Yeah. Maybe you did, but not, not like this. So God, we pray as your people that you would awaken us to the blessing that we are called to be The blessing that we're called to be to everyone, whether they call on your name or not, because they're alive, they matter to you, and now they matter to us. So God, in this next season, with all that's going on, on so many fronts, help us to be your people and to do our, our, our place, to do our part, not more, not less. Lord, we want to be active in so Holy Spirit. Thank you for the door to serve with a group of churches in Romania who are blessing churches in Ukraine. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for these relationships. Thank you for this open door. Now, God, um, help us to be the most generous people to help those in need. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. So how are... How are Jesus followers called to live in a world that does not follow Jesus? That is the major theme of 1 Peter, and that's what we've been going at from various angles all throughout this letter. How are we to live out our faith in a world that doesn't? And are there pictures to help us visualize? For those of you visual learners, you're going to love 1 Peter because it has all of these graphic images of what it means for us to be the people of God. And uh, we're going to look at another one today. But what does it look like for us to be faithful in a world that is not? 1 Peter 2, we'll just pick up where we left off last week, verse 11, says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. We'll read a few more verses, but I just want us to set the tone. Notice how it starts here, and notice the invitation. Dear friends, other translations say beloved, loved ones. When we read the Bible, we have to remember it's all connected. So don't forget, last week, if you missed last week, no worries, YouTube. You can go back. But everything we talked about last week is the reason, those pictures of, remember, who we are. We are deeply loved by God. We're invited. We're accepted. And Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation, the most pivotal stone. But you and I, we are living stones. We're being built up into the spiritual house where God's presence dwells. We are the people of God. And with that, like citizenship like a passport, comes the blessing and the responsibility. And over the next few weeks, we are going to hit beautiful hot topics of responsibility. So you and I, we are royal priests. You are a king. You reign with Christ, which means what Christ wants to do in the world, he's going to do through you. And a priest is someone who says, welcome to God's presence. This is what it means to live with him. So you and I, wherever we live, in our cul-de-sac, in your apartment, in your dorm room, you are living as as an extension of Jesus. Because you're in his family. And we love the benefits, but sometimes we forget the responsibilities. So what's the picture today? I'm going to let you know. This is going to take, it's so important, three weeks to unpack the next few verses because they hit to the heart of us following Jesus in a culture that does not care about him. And it may surprise you, it may challenge you, it may upset you, and in this I rejoice. (laughs) Because I think until we're disrupted about things that are dishonoring to Jesus, we can't follow Him. We have to be disrupted from our own comfort zones so that God can grasp our heart and our mind afresh and we can really live from. Okay, so the picture today is about, and it's so, I'm, I'm, I wish I could have mapped this stuff out foreigners and exiles. That's the picture. Dear friends, because we are kingdom priests, right? I urge you as, and then he gives a picture, a foreigner and in exile. you got to remember, most of the people who are are getting this letter and hearing it read to them, most of them are not Roman citizens, which means they don't have all the rights that everyone else does. The challenge here, reading this 2,000 years later, is we live with this bedrock of laws and privileges, and sometimes we forget that when they heard it first, most of them had little cash. They were on the lower end of the spectrum. Many of them were slaves. We'll look at that next week and what that means in, in terms of following Jesus in your station in life. They, they, they weren't the influencers. They didn't have the cultural sway. At the time, there are no church buildings. There's no chosen series to see Jesus with fresh eyes. There's no, there's no Christian radio. There's, there's no cultural heritage There's Jesus, the risen Messiah, and this message about his life-changing power. And he says to them, "You're you're to live, live out your faith as a foreigner and as an exile. Okay, that picture may sound new to us. You just need to know this isn't a new one. He's pulling from the Bible all throughout the Bible. We see God's people living, choosing to live as foreigners and exiles. It goes at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. And when God comes to Abram, the father of our faith, who hears from God, go to the land I will show you. And what does Abram do? He obeys. He leaves his family, his homeland, his heritage. And he goes to the place where God says, Blessing is with me and I'm going to take you. I'm going to give you land and a nation and your your offspring is going to bless the world. And by faith, he follows Yahweh. And he lives as a foreigner because he goes to Egypt and he's not Egyptian. So Abram, the father of faith, is called to follow God in a culture that was following many other gods who had a different vision and a different value on life. And so Abram, the, the original father of faith, knows what it's like to live like a foreigner. It means that I listen to God, and I evaluate everything around me in light of my loving relationship with God, and I'm going to have to make choices, and sometimes that means I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to live as a what? Foreigner. And in one sense, as an exile. Now, this happens for generation after generation. Abram and Isaac and Jacob, and, they're, and as they grow and they grow and they grow and they grow... God shows and unfolds and he gives them his word and he shows them this is what it's like to live in relationship with me and he establishes a covenant a binding relationship with his people and if you follow me I will be your God and you will be my people follow me and what is the story of the Bible do the people of God follow God's ways do they they don't this is the challenge They don't listen. And so God warns them, lovingly warns them, you want it to go well with you and your children? Follow me. But if you don't, it will not go well with you. We want the blessing of God without God. We want the blessing of life with Him without following His ways. We want the kingdom to be established in our world while we rule ourselves. That's what we want, that's the tug. And my friends, if we're going to follow Jesus in our lifetime and model Jesus to people who are honestly searching for something real, we're going to have to embrace this idea of we are foreigners, we are exiles. So exile, they knew exactly what that meant. When God's people disobeyed, he said, I'm going to send you away to show you that you you need to really follow me. And so for seasons of life, God's people lived away from the land, away from blessing, under foreign oppressive rulers. And this is a word of warning. Everyone wants to come to church and get a warning, right? Isn't that why you woke up and came here? No, no, no. We don't want it, but everything written in the Scriptures was written to teach us. In light of Jesus, everything in the Bible matters because what happened to them can happen to you. And the promise to them could be a promise to you, but the warning to them is a warning to you. And the outcome to them could be the outcome to you. And, and, and so we need to heed the warning. If we're going to follow Jesus and represent him, yes, we're living stones. Yes, kingdom, royal priests. Yes, foreigners, exiles. That is, we live in a culture that's not going the way of Jesus, yet we're called to faithfully follow Jesus. So he says in them, verse 12, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's going to take three weeks for us to look through these very specific examples. He gives them like rubber meets the road, like real world examples. And even though the details of life have changed, nothing's changed nothing's changed. The details have to be discerned. We have to think about what it meant for them to live under a foreign power and us today. But we're going to ask the question, how do, we, how do we follow in the pattern of faithfulness to Jesus when those around us don't care? The answer is we live good lives. I want you to write this down. Exiles live good lives to please God. That, that's the call Now, this is going to be unpacked in very specific instances, but the big picture for the next three weeks is we, foreigners, we, exiles, we who belong to Jesus in a place that doesn't follow him, we live good lives. Why? To please God. In other words, we live out our faith. We don't just say we follow Jesus. We actually follow Jesus. Not perfectly. Not without little twists and turns. I am not saying perfection, but I am saying pursuit. We pursue Jesus. What happens when a group of people name his name and live like the world? It's confusing. People are confused. They don't even get to know who the real Jesus is because they're wondering Is this what it means? When I look at your life, is that what it means to follow Jesus? Which means we need to let Jesus impact all of life. How much of your life belongs to Jesus? How many days of the week belong to Jesus? How much of the resources and gifts and talents and experience belong to Jesus? How much of you is connected to Jesus? The goal is all of life. Jesus impacting every bit, which is why it's a lifelong exploration, isn't it? And those of you who've been following Jesus for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know there's always more to learn. There's always more to grow because so much of my life can be consumed by my life. And I want Christ to be magnified, made big in me. And I know you want that as well. And so, What's the challenge that we're facing right now in our moment? It's that people are suspicious about following Jesus because they've met Jesus' followers. They're suspicious about what it means to follow Jesus because they've met his followers. And it's the same in their day because you've got to remember at this point there is no Christianity in a cultural sense. There are these people who come from the line of Judaism who say that this Jewish leader has risen from the dead and he's... God's savior and he's still changing people and he's moving in his people and he's transforming people. And that made people in Rome very suspicious. Roman government was very suspicious of new cults. Any new religion was just called a cult because it could could draw people to allegiance to them instead of allegiance to Rome. Now we're not in that moment. We have cultural Christianity in our country, but I think people are suspicious because they're unsure if how we live is connected in any way with this person called Jesus, and if we're like this, why should I follow Jesus anyway? And here's the invitation. We can actually help people have a clearer view of who Jesus is. Isn't that great? We can help people, how? By living good lives. So at the time, there were all sorts of accusations being thrown at Jesus' people. Mind you, mostly because of misinformation in their day. There were rumors about these Jesus' people who eat flesh and drink blood. There were rumors about these Jesus' people who see Jesus as a king, which means I don't have any allegiance to Caesar. Oh, this is a competitive kingdom? Jesus is bringing a kingdom? Oh, wow. What's going to happen to Rome? There was misinformation. And I I think in that sense, um, nothing's changed. Everyone has an opinion about Jesus. The question is, is their opinion accurate? It's one thing to reject Jesus when you actually know who he is. It's another thing to reject a form of Jesus that you were given by other people that was misinformation. Here's the beautiful opportunity because we're royal priests and we're living stones being built together we together right we can actually help people know what jesus is like and that's what it means to live unmistakable bold clear we really we're not perfect but we're pursuing him and we're receiving grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and he's he's changing the way we see people he's changing the way we spend money he's changing the way we spend our time and our attention He's changing everything. And as we are being changed, I tell you, the greatest way to help people experience life in Jesus is for you to be lit up. Following Jesus is like everything and all-consuming and not being weird. You know, you can be radical and following Jesus and not be weird. I mean a kooky weird. Like, like, like weird. I'm saying you can be quote unquote shocking. Hey, I had nothing to do with the pops. If you're feeling it, maybe, maybe that's God at work. These hips keep moving, and it's stirring. All right, let's just look at one example, and I, I'm narrowing it to one that I'll briefly cover, but there are three we're going to look at in the next three weeks that ought to, ought to shake us up a bit. Verse 13, let's just keep reading. How do we live the Jesus life? How do we help people see the real Jesus? Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. To every human authority. Every human authority. And then it gets real clear. Whether to the emperor, Caesar, as the supreme authority, or to governors in their day, the Caesar established and appointed governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For It's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And again, I'm, I'm cutting it short. I should keep reading. But I want to go slowly because I think sometimes we're wondering what does it mean for me to live for Jesus in a world that doesn't? Well, this, these are a few examples. So, so exiles live good lives. Now, I want to extend that. Exiles, us, live good lives to please God by submitting to authority. And This truth like, is key. We cannot miss this. And it's going to impact the next few weeks. So a way that I... Please, God, is by submitting to earthly authority. Today we're going to look at government, next week, slaves, and the week after that, husbands and wives. Boring weeks for sure. We live good lives. How? By doing our own thing? No, by submitting to authority. God's authority. We live good lives to please not man, to please God we are under the highest authority, the authority of King Jesus. But as I live under King Jesus' authority, hear me, I do not neglect other authority. You know what he's saying to the churches? If the movement of Jesus is gonna spread across the Roman Empire as Jesus promised, and the kingdom Message is going to be spread all over the world, which Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. And they took that promise literally, we're to go to the ends of the earth. How is it going to happen? Well, if Christians live rebellious lives, the movement of Jesus won't move forward. His rationale is actually practical. In order for us to love people in Jesus' name, in order for us to spread the message of Jesus, we can't have the human authority squashing the message of Jesus because of personal rebellion. Remember, he's writing to people without rights. They were under the Roman authority, and it was like today. Today there are governments that say they are free, but that is a sham, would we agree? I don't have to name the countries, you already know them. They say there's an elected president, but elected by who? By everyone who he threatens to kill. And what do we do with that? Now, it's one thing to say, you know, I want to follow Jesus, and so what we need is a Christian president and a Christian uh, senate and a, and a Christian house and a, and a Christian Um, Supreme Court, and when everything's Christian, we can live Christian, and I would say, it's nice if Christians are there, but we should live like Jesus no matter who's there. No matter who's there! We're called to live like Jesus no matter who is there, because they get the word when Hitler's on the throne. The Caesars were ruthless. They were not your friend. And in that context, Peter says to the church, what we want is to live Good lives that even though they're going to accuse Jesus' people of doing all sorts of things, it's going to come back in their face as an insult because when they look at the lives of Jesus' people, they're going to say, even though they make all these accusations against them, these are the greatest employees in our job. In our company, the greatest, most effective people are the Jesus people. In our school, the most diligent, kind loving considerate other centered people other Jesus people in the neighborhood I don't I don't care about their Jesus but I want more neighbors like that what would it be like if everyone wanted more people like Jesus people in their neighborhood because something was profoundly different about them wow isn't this convicting I don't know, maybe it's not convicting for you. So, So we don't need the human government to be in alignment with the way of Jesus in order for us to live out our faith in Jesus. Now it's a blessing, don't get me wrong, it's a blessing if they both collide. It's a blessing to have Jesus people in all of life and I pray that there are more Jesus loving people in every area of life. But here's the thing, we don't wait to live submitted, humble, obedient lives when there's a Jesus person And when there's not, we say, well, we could do whatever we want because I belong to King Jesus. That is subtle rebellion, and that's what gives Jesus' name a bad name. Now, we need to be very careful because I could take this in directions that would offend everyone and their grandmother. But the last two years, you need to ask yourself, your opinion about whatever, has it given people a deeper thirst for Jesus? by the way you've approached the issues? Has it convicted them of their own selfishness because they see the way you see both sides and treat people humanely? Because I don't know if you realize it, the person on the other side of the aisle is also human. And they have a family. And the people we rile against have kids and grandkids who read things said about Mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or uncle. And some of those things are muttered by Jesus-loving people. What does that say? Is it convicting yet? Yeah, you should watch my video next week. It'll, it'll be amazing. Exiles live good lives to please God by submitting to authority. Okay, so, so what, are we, what are we saying? Let's just look at the key words. He says submit. What is submit? It's come under authority. Why? For the Lord's sake. It's not pleasing people to please people, but he's saying, where God has placed you, live an under-authority life. Why? Because the greater thing is that people fall in love with and follow Jesus. It's the greater thing. So all of the issues matter. Hear my heart. I'm not saying that the issue you're passionate about is unimportant or that your opinion is unimportant, but hear me. Is it more important than people getting a greater revelation of Jesus? Is it so important that that's the loudest thing? The things we are willing to go to bat for. The things we are willing to be, to be loud about. What if we were loud about the love of God in Jesus? What if, what if we were loud about grace and mercy and kindness and a second chance? And so he says, submit, come under the authority. It's not a word most Americans like. Uh, because we want to flaunt our rights. And this is where it is different. They are living in a different world, their church, than our church. And as U.S. citizens, if you're American, we do have rights and we do have a rule of law. We do have avenues for orderly protest, And we have channels to share our opinions with the powers that be that can enact change. And for this, we rejoice. We have with freedoms. Look, if you don't like this country, get on a plane with me. Get on a plane with me. I invite you. You're paying for your own ticket. I'm not paying for it. But get on a plane, and I will take you to places who where you say, man, this country is blessed. But most of the people in their day did not have all of these blessings that we enjoy. And you know what the word to them was? Stop living like rebels. How much more should we, given all the freedoms God's given us, we should not live like rebels? rebels verse 15 he tells us the why why matters by the way it's not just do it because God said do it why it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people other people have opinions about God that may be off and when they see your life if you live if you live a submitted life under the authority around you and they're poking holes at Jesus people they're going to be convicted And so then he gives this twist. Live as free people. By the way, most of them were not free in the way we understand it. They didn't have that political advantage that we have. But he's like, in Christ, you're actually really free. You belong to Jesus. You really are free in your soul, even though you may be a slave, even though you are under an oppressive ruler. You really are free because you're united with Christ. But don't use your freedom, the fact that you're united with Christ, as a cover-up for evil That is like personal rebellion, but rather live as God's slaves to people without political freedom. He says, submit yourself because you're free in Christ. You're not under their regime in the same way that other people are. You're going to live with Jesus forever. But while you're alive in Rome and while you're alive in all of these cities that God's placed you, live with Jesus in view. So what we need, I think, is a healthy view of authority. Because let's be honest, our culture is increasingly shaking off the idea of any authority. Would you agree? Any authority! And the last thing that anyone wants in today's like cultural moment is to be under anyone because actually, I am my authority. So we're not chucking off authority, we're actually changing authority. We're saying, I'm the ultimate authority, and you're not. And is that in alignment with the way of Jesus? Well, part of our discipleship has to include that and recognizing God has put people over us. And he's done it in many layers. He's done it in government. And if you read Romans 13, you'll see as well that that all authority has been instituted by God. So the person who's in government above you is actually given God-given authority to create peace. And he's given us authority in school, and he's given us authority in the home, and he's given us authority in the church. And so here's the, here's the tension. Uh, we live in a culture that can push back. We have forms of protest that we can use when we are unhappy and we realize that justice isn't being done. And we ought to thank God for that. We ought to thank God. Thank God. And it, it is okay to exercise that, right? And, and, and there are Jesus followers in all areas of life that have been called to raise up and stand up for what's right. And, and we could call on, and we have many avenues to do it here, and we ought to be grateful for it. And we got to remember too that Peter, when they told Peter to stop preaching in Jesus' name, the Jewish authorities said, "Stop preaching in Jesus' name." He's like, "I have to obey God, not man." So, what we're not saying, when when the call is to submit to authority, it doesn't imply all authority is good. It gives space to realize that sometimes the authority above us is not good. So, like, let's just think of our American context just for a minute when slaves are being sold in the South and they could be freed in the North, right? You have people like Harriet Tubman who who escapes and gains her freedom and then does the most dangerous thing, goes and creates an underground railroad to bring other people who are enslaved and bring them to the North where there was a freedom and there were ability to be set physically free from their slave masters. And looking back, we we celebrate that. That in, in our in our world, in our in our country, that peaceably you can you can make that happen. Martin Luther King Jr., in the face of violence against the wrongful treatment of blacks, um, is willing to speak for those without a voice and and organize peaceful protests. And he's beaten for it, and he's arrested for it, and he still speaks up. And and in retrospect, we look back and we we celebrate that. But here's the caveat. We also look at this and realize if the authorities are not telling us to harm people or blatantly disobey God, we are subject to them. And that's the balance. Th- there are moments where, where they're telling us to harm people and that's where we have to obey God. But but a lot of our reasons for being so passionate are not those reasons. So every Every difference I have with the government is not equal. And I can't just use texts like this to say I'm going to obey God rather than man when God's put those people over you and you're under their authority. Exiles live good lives that, that try to please God by submitting to authority show uh, show proper respect to everyone. Look at the last four things he tells us, and we'll just look at them briefly. Show proper respect, verse seventeen, to everyone. We're to be respectful with, with everyone, especially those we disagree with. It is okay to disagree. It is okay to discuss. It is okay to exchange ideas. Is it okay to say? But what about? It's just not okay to be disrespectful. And I'll I'll say this bluntly, some of you have disagreed with me and our leadership team on things throughout the pandemic. And there's been two approaches. Some has been very respectful and it's a beautiful thing to say, can we talk about this? Because I wonder if you see this part and to exchange ideas and to learn and to grow. That's a beautiful thing. For others, it's been very disrespectful and, and God isn't honored when outsiders look in and see a divided church over secondary issues. What does it say about Jesus? And so the call to unity and the call to be submissive under the authority that God's given us, it matters. You can d- disagree with people and still respect and be respectful and respect them. Love the family of believers. As a church, we're going to always be filled with all sorts of opinions. Show love to one another, genuine love. Listen, love the family. We're so eclectic. We really are. One of the blessings of being in my seat, so to speak, is to realize it is miraculous that we're in the same room each week. Because we are so all over the map on everything. If there's an opinion, it's represented here. It is. Oh, but it's, it's beautiful. When the community sees A group of people loving the family because we all belong to Jesus. And it needs to be said, just because you disagree with someone does not give you the right to berate them or tear them down. It just doesn't. It doesn't give you the right, but I'm up. And then fill in your nationality or your rationale. And to Peter and to the apostles and to the Father, Son, and Spirit, Those are arguments, but those are useless arguments in light of Jesus. Jesus is our reason to live humble, godly, submissive lives. Fear God. We honor God by not living rebellious. So there is a justice issue that needs to be thought through. When we see injustice, we don't hide it. We don't talk around it. We do step into those spaces in love. But, but Peter draws a line, if you church live rebellious against the government, you may be right on that issue, but you're going to lose the Jesus discussion. And we need to be careful that we prioritize that people experience life in Jesus as the primary motivation. Um, and then finally, and this is the one you want to strike out of the Bible, and I can't believe Peter says this, honor the emperor. What? What? What's honor? Honor means to show high regard for. Show high regard for that guy? Yes, for Jesus' sake. It doesn't mean we agree, in our case. It doesn't mean you vote for them. It doesn't mean you stand for their policies. It doesn't mean you fund what they want to fund. But we take everything as people submitted to God. And if God has placed people in the rightful place i'm trusting by faith abram can live in egypt and live in a foreign land and not try to take it over because he lives for god he lives like a foreigner he lives like an exile this is so beautiful isn't it this is such a beautiful discussion because this is where faith becomes reality and not just theory. So let me just ask you, how is your life impacting how people view Jesus? This is th- over the next, this is <laughs> part one. Next thing will, will be even better. But, but, but we want you to ask, how, how is the way I live impacting how people view Jesus? We, we, to go full circle, we ask these questions, and these questions matter because Jesus loves us, because <laughs> we're loved. All of these commands, these are commands, submit to authority is not a suggestion, it is a command. Why? Because we're deeply loved. And because we belong to Jesus, we may not have human power, but we are filled with God's power. But God's power shouldn't be wielded in selfish ways. And the spirit of rebellion has no place in the church, but rather we're a people united around the person and the way and the teachings and the ethics of Jesus and because we belong to him we're willing to listen to people and even honor the emperor even though we don't agree so the motivation for us to live like Jesus in a world that's not is is the compelling motivation to evaluate how we think and how we live and I pray that the good of the last two years, the legacy is that it caused us to go deep in our understanding of what it means to actually follow Jesus. And so we're invited to experience grace and mercy. Have we messed up in these areas? Yeah, we have. Grace and mercy and a second chance. And so we always respond. We hear the word and we respond with worship and praise and prayer And then we go with our group. And this is not done, by the way, although I'm done. We go with our group this week, and we talk about these things. And we express differences in living rooms, and we practice hospitality, and we practice love and care, and we practice this valuable art called silence. (laughs) Where I feel like saying something, and I don't, because you belong to Jesus. And I know my words will be more harmful than helpful. So I'm silent and I take it and I submit. And I say, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, expose it so that I could live for you. And at the right time, I do speak. But it's done with love. And never with violence. And never with hate. And never out of anger. Human anger that so easily motivates us. I think at this point, we ought to stand to our feet and we're going to respond. I want to invite you to stand now, if you would. And we're going, to, we're going to ask God to renew us in our day. We're going to ask God to revive, revive us. To ask God to revive us implies there are areas that have gone off course, or our power's gotten small, or our focus has gotten distorted. But we're going to invite God renew us as your people because we want to live for you and we love you and we actually want to embrace your way in our life and God more than anything we want people to fall in love with you even if that means me being silent on my hot topics I want them to know you Jesus and what if we actually lived like that I, I pray we would move in that direction so Holy Spirit we invite you to come to come and soften our hearts, come and expose anything that's not in alignment with the way of Jesus. And then by your grace and mercy and power, build us up. Lord, we're, we're your living stones. We're being built up in this house where you dwell and we wanna do our part and we wanna stand up for those who are being oppressed and we wanna stand up for those who are being torn down and we wanna show love where love's not being shown. But God, first, first revive us, we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship, and then uh, whether at home or here, we're going to come back in a moment. We're going to take the bread and the cup and remind ourselves that, that even Jesus submitted to the authority of the Father, and he laid down his life. And Jesus could have destroyed all Roman authorities who killed him, but he did not. He chose the way of love, and he gave his life as a ransom for you and me. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be the ultimate atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is love. And so let's uh, ask the Spirit to revive us.